morning, everyone. You notice the mic works for me. You know, it's funny, the other day, one of my uh, older granddaughters, and she is the fashion police. Uh, you have a, a granddaughter who's the fashion police. And anyway, I, I came up here one, one Sunday a few weeks ago, and I had on a, a pair of blue jeans and sneakers and a sport coat with a white shirt and no tie. And after church, she came up to me and she goes, Pop-Pop, you're too old. <laughs> she said, jeans are okay, but you don't wear sneakers and you, you don't wear, you know, a white shirt without, without a tie. So I have a brown shirt with a tie and I have loafers on, so I'm okay today. <laughs> I, thought it was, I thought it was great. I loved it. I loved it. So we're in Deuteronomy chapter 6, picking up with verse 1, Deuteronomy 6, 1. <clears throat> Father, we come before you in Jesus' name because that is the only name under heaven by which men must be saved. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that in that name we would receive your word into our hearts and Father, not only for the purpose of learning, but for the pur purpose of being encouraged, for the purpose of being directed, for the purpose of having the knowledge of the way you would have us live in this life, because you have called us to be your witnesses. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that that would be on the front of our minds at all times, that we're your witnesses. We live in a time and we live in a day when everything is uncertain, but Lord, nothing with you is uncertain, but is solid. It's a solid foundation. And so now come by your Holy Spirit, Lord, and minister to our needs, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You know, here's something that probably all of you realize. Is Wednesday, the presidential election will be over. But here's the point. No matter who wins, God is on the throne. It doesn't change a thing as far as his purpose and direction for life. It doesn't have anything to do with our salvation. It doesn't have anything to do with our calling. Because God is God. And we have to understand that we don't live for politics. We live for Jesus Christ. And so I just say that as an encouragement to you. Because so many people say, oh, I don't know, you know. And it's just, God is God. He's in charge. And if we didn't have that hope, we would be really, you know, bothered by all political issues. But the reality is that so often the Lord works sometimes more greatly through, the, through persecution than he does through, you know, everything going on fine as if it has always been the same. And uh, you go to these countries, uh, like, for instance, a lot of people don't realize this, but one of the uh, fastest-growing churches, in, you know, as far as, you know, percentage-wise, in the world is in Iran. And you talk about persecution. I mean, if you're found out, they cut your head off. And yet the reality is that the church is growing. You want to know why? Because this is the truth. There are a lot of things out there that are just philosophies, that are just dogmas, but this is the truth. His word never changes. You know, and one of the things we have to understand, and we'll talk about this a little bit later in a little bit more detail, but so many people think that Christianity is for the ignorant, that if you want to be a Christian, you have to come and set your brain aside. Nothing could be further from the truth. 
As a matter of fact, anyone who has any intelligence at all, it becomes impossible for them to read the Word of God and not understand its truth and its fulfillment. So anyway, we are in Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting with verse 1. And I want to start off by mentioning the fact that the Lord does not change. And a lot of people, when they read the law, they say, well, the law is for the Jews. We're Christians. We're, we're not under the law. We're under grace. Well, the reality is the law hasn't changed. And the law was perfect and good when it was given, and it's perfect and good today. The difference is this. When the Jews heard the law, they professed that they could keep the whole law on their own, in their own strength, and they couldn't. But you and I, as believers, and especially those of us that have come under the grace of God, we understand that the law is true and right, but we can't keep it. And therefore, we need a mediator, because anyone who breaks one part of the law breaks what? The whole law. And so if you fall into one part of the law, you fall on the whole law. And therefore, it means separation from God. And so the only way that there could be mediation between man and God to bring us back into relationship with him is if there was a perfect man. But there was no perfect man. With all the prophets, there was no perfect man. But then Jesus Christ, our Lord God and Savior, God became flesh and dwelt among us and came into the world. And he became a man who was fully man and fully God, a doctrine difficult for us to understand, but 100% true. And he was able to live the perfect life because only God could do that. And he was able to give himself as the perfect man as a sacrifice for our sins. When Jesus Christ was on the cross just before he died... He said, Lama, Lama, Sabachthani, Allah, Sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? Which is one of the Psalms. Eli, Eli, Lama, Sabachthani, I said it wrong. Which is one of the Psalms. Because the man, Christ Jesus, who had taken all the sin of the world upon himself, at that moment, God had to turn from him. And that's when he cried out. But then, when he died, he was the perfect sacrifice, the sinless man. All sin was atoned for, that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved because his atoning sacrifice, his shed blood, becomes yours. And so, therefore, in Jesus Christ, now we have a relationship with God. That's why Pastor Frank shared this verse this morning. But think about it. There's but one mediator between man and God, the what? The man, Christ Jesus. It was in his humanity that he paid the price for all of our sin. But in his resurrection and his glorified body, it's in his deity that he rules over us and will be with him for all eternity. God is so good. You know, that's why it's so important. You know, some people say, well, I don't really agree with the Ten, ten Commandments. Well, what do, you, what do you mean you don't? You're a Christian. Well, I don't display the Ten Commandments. That's the law. Yeah, and the law is our teacher, and it shows us our need. I look at the Ten Commandments, and I say, thank you, Jesus, because there's no way I could keep them. It's amazing. And so we have to understand that 
Each line in this portion we're going to read, chapter 9 is awesome, but each line is a Jewish idiom, a philosophy, a, a, a teaching, you know, for humanity. And so we're in Deuteronomy chapter 6, and I'm covering verses 1 through 9 this morning. Now, this is the commandment, and these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you, that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess, that you may fear the Lord your God to keep his statutes and his commandments, which I commanded you, you and your sons and your grandsons, all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. Therefore, hear. And that is the Hebrew word shema, and it means to hear intelligently. In other words, just don't do, I'm just going to kind of go along. You hear intelligently. You listen to what's being said. And if you apply it to any aspect of life, any aspect of science, any aspect of history, it's true. So he says, hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, your God, as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you, a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, that's an idiom. It doesn't mean that the land literally had rivers of, of milk and, and honey. What it's talking about was the, the sustenance and the sweetness of God is with those people who obey him. doesn't mean you're going to obey perfectly, but if you obey God by his grace and by his spirit, you're going to find a peace and a joy that nothing this life can provide. Do you know what I'm saying? You know, want to be honest? Life has more difficulties than it does pleasantries. I'm just being honest. I mean, things go along, you're feeling good, and maybe it's just me, but when everything's going along and you're feeling good, what are you waiting for? The next foot to come down. And guess what? It does. So our reward isn't in this life. Our reward is in the life to come. And yet in this life, by the way we live for Jesus Christ, we are able to be witnesses to those who need to know the truth that they also might have eternal life and the assurance of heaven. It's absolutely amazing. Verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God the Lord is one. And we're going to talk about that a little later. This is an, uh, an amazing portion of Scripture in the Hebrew. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk to them uh, when you uh, sit in the... In, in, uh, I'm sorry, did I miss something there? No, I didn't. And you shall talk with them... Uh, when you sit in your house and when you walk along the way and when you lie down and when you rise up and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and you shall be and they shall be as frontals between your eyes and you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. You see, when the children of Israel were to cross over into the promised land, God wanted them to be his testimony by being different. In other words, they were very different than the pagans among whom they had gone. I think we don't realize how pagan they were. The Canaanites, I won't even get into details because of our mixed audience, they were horrible, horrible. 
I mean, their, their religion was, was filled with child sacrifice. It was just horrible. But the fact is, they needed to see a light. And Jesus Christ called us to be the light of the world. And so just like they entered into the promised land to show themselves to be different than the pagans around them, you and I, when we enter into the promised land of salvation, we're to show ourselves to be different than the pagans around us. They have to see something in us. You know, the way we live our testimony is, is really the most important thing that we do. The way we live our testimony should first be to the Lord. We always think of others, and that's good. But the first reason we live our testimony, we live by the word of God, is a testimony to the Lord. You know what we're testifying to the Lord? I love you. You're my Savior. You're supreme. I desire to be everything you want me to be. And then secondary to that is we're a testimony to the unbelievers around us. And why do we want to be a testimony to the unbelievers around us? that they might hear the truth, know God, and be saved, and go to heaven. Now, our testimony for Christ will have little effect to unbelievers unless we practice our Christian faith. Here's what someone once wrote. Uh, once wrote I couldn't find the name of the author, but this, I, I love it. And it was, profession without performance is pretense. Profession without performance is pretense. And so, as I, I have mentioned on numerous occasions, none of us are ever going to live the perfect life. None of us. Jesus Christ was the only one that was able to do that. And now you can think of the most godly man or woman you've ever known. You could think of the most godly man or woman of, of past history that you've ever known. They didn't live a perfect life. We don't either. But the fact is that we have a mediator that is able to forgive our shortcomings and forgive our sin. There's not one sitting in this room that hasn't fallen to sin. There's not one sitting in this room that doesn't have something that they don't even want anyone else to know about, but God has forgiven. That's the love of God in Christ Jesus. And so how we live our life is a testimony to the people around us. And this is a silly example, but I'm going to use it anyway. If I say to all of you, or any of you say this to your friends and neighbors, but if I say to all of you, well, I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm going on a diet, a very healthy diet. I'm, gonna, I'm going to start working out regularly. And the next thing you know it, you're going to see the pounds shedding off me. You're going to see my muscles starting to tone up, and I'm going to be just jumping and hopping around. And I tell you I'm going to do that and nothing changes, you're just going to be, eh. But if I tell you I'm going on a diet and exercise program, and I gain weight, and I lose muscle tone, you're going to say, your program's a joke. But if I tell you I'm going on a diet and an exercise program, and I do, and I start shedding pounds, I start developing some muscle tone, and I start walking a little bit better, you're going to say, what is that program you're on? And here, I'm going to lay something out very honestly, okay? All of us who have ever been on a diet have cheated. No, I'm serious. 
The difference is whether you cheat a little bit or whether you cheat a lot. If you cheat a lot, nothing's going to happen. Cheat a little bit, but you're basically sticking to it. You're going to lose weight. You're going to do, you know, it's kind of like grace. You're going to do good. You're going to get along. You're going to lose weight. And people are going to want to know. And the same thing is true. If we make a profession of our faith, and we're no different than the rest of the world around us. In fact, in some ways, maybe we're worse. Guess what? They don't care anything about our faith. But if we've changed, if we're really different, and there's something in us that people see that they would like to have and possess, now we're a testimony for Jesus Christ. Doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. That's why we need to confess and repent. And of course, I love what it says in Philippians 1.27, only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Our conduct is to be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then in this portion, it talks about the fear of the Lord. In Proverbs 9.10, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, many play down the fear of the Lord because they think it's an unpopular topic and it's not really very godly because they don't understand what it means. It's not talking about a fear of dread of some harsh taskmaster. It's the fear in the sense of reverence and knowledge of who he is. He's God. He is before all things and has created all things. He is the only one who was able to provide the law and then a means of salvation through the perfect man, Jesus Christ, who is also God. Wow, that is so awesome. So fear has a very positive effect in many ways. Let me give you this example. Uh, we were visiting our um, daughter and, and her family uh, out west several years ago, and we were up on the ski mountain. This might have even been when they were in Utah. We are up on the ski mountain. And when you drove down that ski mountain, it was scary. It was right on the edge of the cliff. You know what I'm saying? And you look over, and you're looking down thousands. I mean, it was... And the road went like this. <laughs> Guess how I drove down that road? In other words... Fear had a very positive effect. I really didn't think I was going to drive off the road, not doing about four or five miles an hour. Bicycles were passing me. But anyway, I knew I wasn't going to drive off the road. But do you, do you follow the point I'm making? Fear can be healthy. And the fear we have of the Lord is never a scary fear. But we understand that he is the one who is able to give out, met out judgment. Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Anyone who does not call upon the name of the Lord will not be saved. And so a reverent fear of the Lord is healthy. Now, the fear and reverence of the Lord also brings us to a place where we realize no one sneaks into or earns their way to heaven. Recognizing the just, holy God that we serve, no one sneaks in Okay? No, he's going to kind of sneak into heaven. Or no one's ever going to justify themselves. You know, and I don't mean this to make anyone feel bad, okay? But I'm just sharing the truth. You know, sometimes I have, as a pastor, have had someone say to me, well, you know, they weren't born again. They didn't go to church. But they were good people. I, I'm sure they're in heaven. The answer is no, they're not. 
Because the reality is, if goodness could get you into heaven, then Jesus Christ need not have come. And what kind of love would God the Father have to send his son for no reason to die that humiliating, awful death on the cross? No one gets to heaven except for, for receiving salvation through the free gift of Jesus Christ, the forgiveness of sin. We have to understand that. No one sneaks into heaven or earns their way. I've been good all these years. You break the law in one part, you've broken the whole law. Now, knowing the eternal truth of salvation should really bless us. Because what it does is it allows us to have the desire to pass that influence on to our children. And I love that it says grandchildren as well. Do you hear that, grandchildren? We're to pass that on to our children and to our grandchildren. A parent, and even and a grandparent as well, must realize that we have a responsibility to live in such a way that we are a positive witness to our children and to our grandchildren. We're thankful to God for our salvation, and it is by His grace that we have been saved, that we also have the ability to share His truth with those that we love. And even maybe some that we might not love that much. We still have a responsibility to share the grace of God with them. And I love the grace of God because it teaches us to say no to all ungodliness. Because by grace I can say, God forgive me, a sinner. Forgive me for what I've done. Give me a new start. And he does. Others might not do that for you, but God does. And it's such a wonderful thing because when you think of your children and your grandchildren, I think the reason that this is put in there is because it touches us with the reality and the responsibility we have of being a positive testimony for our faith. Who do we want to be a positive testimony for more than our children and our grandchildren and those that we love? And we're so thankful for God's salvation. Also, notice twice in this portion we read, Hear O Israel, Shema Yisrael. Shema is the name of the Hebrew worship service, okay? And um, it's a beautiful thing because uh, Yisrael means mightily ruled by God, and Shema means to hear with intelligence. I love it. It means to hear with intelligence. Because one of the problems we have is there are so many people that don't take time to intelligently study the Word of God. You've got to be a Christian. Why? Because I say so. Well, why should I be a Christian? Well, read the Word of God. It tells you. No, no. We have to be able to share intelligently with those that we love. That's why I love I don't know if any of you have ever read Francis Schaeffer. He actually was Sir Francis Schaeffer. And he was an intellectual who became a believer. His writings are awesome. Read some of the Defense of the Faith by Dave Hunt. There are so many authors out there that write in an intelligent way because so many people think the only way you can accept Christianity is if you accept it blindly and forget all the facts of the world. That's not true. Christianity is the only thing that makes sense. From beginning of creation until his second coming, it's the only thing that makes sense. So this 
my friends, is not obedience through fear, but it's obedience out of love. In the Gospel of John, if you take notes, chapter 14, verse 15, I love this verse. If you love me, keep my commandments. We don't keep his commandments out of fear. We keep his commandments out of love. And notice, our love is expressed with all of our heart, soul, and strength, it tells us. You know, again, I mean, can you imagine if you said to your spouse, do you love me? Oh, yeah, kind of. <laughs> You'd be like, Ugh. But when your spouse really loves you, you see it. It comes from their heart, from their cardiac, from their inner man, and from their soul, from their very personality and nature. I mean, they really love you. It's such a beautiful thing. And it gives you such confidence and encouragement. That's how we are to love the Lord. And then, of course, we have a beautiful portion in verse 4. Look what it says. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And like I said, this is how every Jewish worship service starts. It's called the Shema. It's how every service starts. And we don't see it in the English translation, but in the Hebrew, this introduction to every Jewish service is a testimony of the Trinity of Jesus Christ. How amazing. Listen carefully. Okay? The Lord, Jehovah. This is singular for the self-existent God. Elohim, and that's Lord, is plural for gods, but it is used only in relationship to the supreme God, but it's plural. And Echad is a compound unity of oneness. So in this beautiful, you know, beginning, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one, is a testimony of the Trinity. And the triune nature of God is amazing. I've been asked by people, how do you explain the triune nature of God? And here's my very intellectual answer. I don't. I don't know how to explain it. But that takes nothing away from the triunity of God. It really shows how powerful it is. Because everything, I mean, I was a science major. I love science. But everything we have in science is just a description of what already is. Take an atom, you know, our smallest element, the smallest particle. You take an atom, okay? And what is it? In, in the nucleus, it has uh, um, neutrons and protons in equal amounts, except for an isotope. We won't get into that. And then you have the electrons, you know, that float around it. And so we can describe an atom, which we can't actually see with our naked eye. We can describe an atom, but all we can do is describe it. What is it? I don't know, but I can tell you all about it. But what does that mean? It means nothing. I can tell you what a person looks like, but I can't tell you what a person is like. And so we have to understand the things of God are beyond our ability to understand in the flesh. All we can do is describe, you know, what we can observe. There's a triune God. And in his triunity, we have salvation. But one day, and I can't wait for that day, we're going to be with the Lord. Now we only know in part, then we shall know fully as we are fully known. I can't imagine what it's going to be like. When we get to heaven, 
And when we are with the Lord in the new heaven and the new earth, it's going to be beyond what you and I can even describe. The revelator, John the revelator, tries to describe it in the book of Revelation, what the new heaven and the new earth is going to be like. But man, it's going to be so far beyond our ability. We sang the song in the first service, you know, um, you know, will I praise the Lord or will I be able to speak at all? How does that first go, Frank? Will I something? And the one about speaking or talking. I'm putting Pastor Frank on a spot. I mean, after all, he does a mini sermon now before uh, we start. So I love that. I love it, by the way. Okay, go ahead. What is it? Or will I? Will I sing hallelujah or will I be able to speak at all? You know, we sing things like that, and I know my mind works in kind of weird ways. But, you know, our speaking voice in some ways is archaic. You have to breathe in, and you fill your lungs with air, and then with your diaphragm as you push that air out, and it goes over your vocal cords, we call them, and it causes them to vibrate. We make sounds. I can't make good sounds when I'm singing, but I make sounds. And, uh, but we can make sounds and all that, but it's all related to this human body. I mean, when we have our glorified bodies in heaven, are we going to have lungs? Are we going to breathe in air? Are we going to have vocal cords? I mean, the way we communicate might be beyond anything we can understand at all. So I love that song. You know, will I be able to speak at all? Well, maybe not speak in the sense we know, but we're going to have communion and communication that's going to be absolutely amazing. I know I'm giving you guys a lot of like, woo. <laughs> <laughs> and also notice how diligently we're to teach them to our children when we're at home okay when we travel when we go from place to place when we're ready for bed and then the next morning when you rise up you start all over again in other words it is not enough just to talk to our children about church we have to be willing to teach them intelligently of all the books I've read, this is the most amazing book in the world. This book has sold more copies, listen carefully, to all other books combined. It's still the number one bestseller even in our nation. And if you go to Aldi's, you can get a good price. But anyway, <laughs> that's where I got this one. This is vinyl, it's not really leather. But anyway, or no, Ollie's, Ollie's, I said Ollie's, Ollie's is where I get my, my gluten-free food. But anyway, uh, <laughs> but we have to be willing to teach it to our children intelligently. Know the Word of God. I mean, it's so amazing because there's someone, I won't give you the name of someone who's a relatively new believer, and they've already read through the Bible once, and they're starting again. I mean, this is the most amazing book in the world. You know, you hear people say, I wish I had a good book to read. How about the good book? You know, <laughs> it's a great book. And um, it, it's so interesting when it says, bind them on your hand. Most of you young people have no idea what this is, but some of you older people, remember tying a string on your finger? It's related to that. And, and sometimes they tie a string around their wrist. It was to remind you. Do you remember, any of you old enough to remember that? When you put a string on your finger around your wrist to remind you? You know, you get to the store. Oh, yeah, I was supposed to do this. Now we just use our cell phones. 
I have reminders on my cell phone, and I actually have to put a, a time where it gives me a warning, you know, because I'll get there and I'll forget to look at my cell phone. Anyway, you guys know what I'm talking about. And between the frontals of your eyes, what we see, what we do, and in our homes, brothers and sisters, how seriously do we take our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? I mean, are we careful to remember all that he's done for us? Are we careful to be discriminatory of what we view and the things that we do? Are we discriminatory in what comes into our house and what doesn't come into our house? What's more important than your children and your grandchildren and what's more important than them knowing the truth of Almighty God in their heart, in their inner man? It's so amazing. And so the thing is, we have a tendency to remember the things that are important to us, right? Sometimes I forget to take my vitamins. I never forget dessert. You get my point. We have a tendency to remember the things that are important to us. How important is this to us? How important? Everything that we need to know for life and godliness is found in the Word of God, Peter tells us. And so my encouragement to you this morning, brothers and sisters, is heed the Word of God. Apply it to your lives. Let the Holy Spirit dwell within you richly and lead you in all your ways. Because he, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the triune nature of God, who is God, and God is one, which we don't understand, but he, the Holy Spirit, dwells in our heart. He dwells in our inner man. And if we allow him, he leads us, and he directs us, and he guides us. And if we know his word, we know when he's leading us and guiding us and directing us and not just our flesh. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name and we thank you for your word and the truth we find in it. And I pray that you would help us to apply it to our lives and our hearts, Lord, in such a way that we really might be a testimony to those around us. And so, Lord, I pray that you would come by your Holy Spirit and minister your truth to our hearts that we might walk in all your statutes and precepts. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen and amen. And God bless you, my dear friends. Have a blessed day. Hey, you know what? We're going to get snow. But guess what? Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, it's going to be in the 60s. This is Syracuse.